Hey, welcome back to the Soft Podcast. This is your host, Jay Hef. Thanks again for joining me today on this journey. This is a real special treat for me. This is the first time I've ever actually had the ability to interview somebody and have them come on the show here and talk about their journey through wholeness and become the person that they feel they need to be. So for those that are keeping track, last week we talked about mindfulness two weeks ago, and then the uh, first show we talked about general therapy. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about exercise. Now, brief start here as far as brief overview. When we talk about exercise, it doesn't necessarily have to be physical. You'll hear in the conversation with our guest today, Mark Paysant, um, that it's just about journaling. It's just about taking these steps in addition to physical exercise. We also talk a little bit about creativity and how that comes into play here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this journey today. And I'm excited to share this guest with you. And unfortunately, part of the conversation was cut off and I really unfortunately missed part of that and I'm going to work on that moving forward. But I wanted to let you hear a majority of what I was able to connect with Mark about and his journey and his faithfulness and his determination and persistence in living wholeheartedly as much as he possibly can. So sit back, relax, enjoy the listen, and take the steps to a better and healthier you. So welcome back to the podcast again. This is Jay Half reaching out and talking with you folks today about exercise and its impact on our lives and our growth here in this journey. And so I have the special guests along the way that I hope you've been, not been holding your breath because it's been that long, but Mark Paisan is on the line with us here. I, Mark, I'll kind of, just kind of showcase yourself and kind of how we got connected and kind of start us off. John, this is a definitely a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for, for reaching out and, um, allowing me to, to go on this journey with you. And like John said, my name is Mark Paisant. I, um, am a, a podcast host myself. John and I actually met through a former company that we used to work at and we kind of met late in the game, but, but I think from the beginning, um, it was quite obvious that we had a lot of things in common we were both on kind of a uh, mental, spiritual, um, whatever kind of journey you want to say. But you know, um, you know, I, I speak a lot about mental health, and I've had John on my show, Relatively Normal, which I must say is the uh, most listened to show of Relatively Normal. So if you had a chance, go uh, go check that out. But thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it. Of course, Mark. Where um, can you tell us about where we and how we can find your podcast? Sure. Anywhere you really listen to podcasts, you can go to anchor.fm, just search for Relatively Normal, and it's available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Awesome. So to kind of kick it off here a little bit, um, tell us a bit about your, uh, your mental health journey and how um, or what you've done or kind of, you know, obviously with kind of the phase of our series here is talking about therapy, talking about meditation and mindfulness. This episode is talking about exercise and then we'll finish everything up talking about community. So how has those things impacted your life and your journey? So I think I'd have to start from, you know, the very beginning. 
um, of, of my life. I was always from a young age, always quite athletic. My brother and I played, you know, soccer and basketball and it was just a part of my life. It was just a part of me. Like you couldn't find me or my brother without a basketball in our hands, you know, without thinking about, you know, new soccer shoes. I was a goalkeeper. So I was always thinking about gloves and jerseys, things like that. And, um, it was just a part of me. I didn't, I didn't think about it. It was like, you know, um, a priest having the Bible next to them or, um, you know, a child having a bottle. Like it's just something that was next to me. And as I grew up, I really didn't think about it that much. I really didn't think about my fitness. I really didn't think about what it did for me. And as I got older and, and went through college and uh, graduated, I didn't really play sports or, or I didn't really think about my physical fitness. And through my 20s, I think is when I really just forgot about that part of my, my life, that, forgot about exercise, forgot about what it meant to me and how much it meant to me. And when we talk about, or at least when I talk about my mental health, I think it goes hand in hand with physical health. And I'll, I'll tell you why, John. It's because when I am motivating myself to get better physically, to stay in shape, to make sure my muscles are strong, make sure I, I stay in good shape, that is that is one in that goes hand in hand with with my mental because it allows me to reduce my stress it allows me to get in a state of mindfulness and people are probably asking well how does it do that stuff and and i'm an avid runner now and i i, I don't play basketball and soccer as much as i'd like to anymore but when i'm out on the road when i'm in that zone when i'm putting on that music or that podcast or that book that's my space. That's, you know, nothing else in the world is causing me harm, causing me stress. That is my way to decompress. And I didn't learn that till later in life. I didn't learn that until, you know, my, my, you know, my thirties that exercise meant that much to me. And it took a while to really understand that. Like I, I, I became a little overweight after college and I wanted to get back in shape and I, I started running and I started feeling really good. And, and I went through a, a setback when I, when I uh, had a fracture in my foot and I couldn't run as much. And I think at that point I realized that I need to find some way to be in my own thoughts, to calm my heart rate down to make sure I was doing something for me and having a space for me. And honestly, that's what, that's what exercise does for me. It, it, it you have to put it one-on-one -on -one. when you talk about mental health, you have to talk about physical health. You have to talk about, you know, spiritual health. You have to talk about all those things being, you know, going hand in hand. So that's, it took me a lot, a while to learn that, but I finally did. And I've, I've, you know, it, it's been for the best. Truly incredible. Was, was there a specific trigger for you that caused this kind of resurgence in focus on health? Yes. And, um, and it funny, that's a, that's a great question. Cause I've sit here, I, I sat here and I talked about, you know, this being my space and this being what I do for myself. But I remember 
I got married at the age of uh, 31. And in my wedding photos, it's very hard for me to look at them because I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am right now. And, you know, I got married, went on my honeymoon and started to think like, hey, you know, I want to start a family with my wife one day. I, I, I want to have kids. And it hit me. I was like, I, one, I want to be around for them as long as I can. And two, I, I don't want to be the dad that has to sit out of playing with my kids because he has to catch his breath or his knees are sore or his back is aching. So I wanted to do this for myself, but I also intertwined people who could be in my life in the future. And I always say this, like anything you want to be a part of in your life, whether it's you want to be good at work, whether it's you want to be a good husband or spouse, whether it's you want to be a good father, a good wife, a good anything, the common denominator in all that is you. So I said to myself, if I want to stick around and be a good husband, if I want to stick around and be a good dad, if I want to be a good brother, if I want to be a good son, like I have to be involved in all that stuff. And the way I'm going, the amount of food I'm eating, the amount of alcohol I'm drinking, I'm not going to be around as long as I want to. I, I know, you know, uh, diabetes runs in, in people who are overweight, high blood pressure, all that stuff. And being a black man, it just gets, um, it, it gets higher and higher with the, the amount of illnesses and the amount of struggles you can have from, from obesity. So at that point, I really told myself that I need, I want to be around for those that not only love me, but for the ones that I love too. So that, that was my, my major trigger in my life. Sounds like a powerful, powerful key as far as love being a trigger. How, how long have you been kind of down this journey of, you know, should we say self-love or self-healing? That, and so, you know, the, the, the answer I would like to give is, is my whole life. Like, I, I want to say I've been down this journey, which I probably have. We all have. But to your specific question, it's been on and off for about, I'd say, you know, 10 to 12 years now. And when I say on and off, I at, at the first part of this journey, when we're talking about exercise and making sure you're taking care of yourself, you know, I was, I was doing it for specific reasons that I just talked about, specific reasons that hey, I, I want to be around for those that I love. And um, I lost a lot of weight. I got in shape. And, it, and people will, I, I want to make sure this is, this is clear. People will, if they go through the journey I, I, I've gone through, a lot of times you'll be just like me where you'll figure out whatever weight you're at, however you feel in your clothes, however you look in a mirror, something is still not right. Something is always off. Something just mentally, you're still down. And I found that even though I had depression and anxiety when I was at my heaviest, sometimes I felt worse when I was at my, you know, fittest. And I remember going through therapy and, and, and asking these questions and wondering like, hold on a second. Like, 
I've gone through this journey. I've worked my tail off to, to make sure I'm fit, to make sure I've done the right things physically. But I'm still not happy. I'm still not joyful. There's still something burning in me that just doesn't feel right. It doesn't like this. I don't understand. I lost all this weight. Like I should, I should be totally cured. I should be fine. And I think at that point through, like I said, therapy, meditation, self-reflection, I realized that whether I was 320 pounds or 220 pounds, I still had to work on the mental piece of it. What I mean by that is I still had to understand that when I'm going through my, my darkest times, when I'm going through my toughest times, yes, there's usually a trigger, but I still have the brain functions that I did before. Like my, my brain hasn't changed. My mindset hasn't changed. Those things haven't changed. So I still, it doesn't end. My anxiety doesn't end. My, you know, depressive state doesn't end. I still have to work on those. I still have to journal. I still have to go for mindful meditation breaks. You know, in some cases I've been on medication. And I think I, I want to, like I said, I want to make this clear. If, if you're going through a rough time and you figure that, hey, I need to lose some weight. I need to get fit. Do that. That is a great thing to do. But make sure you understand that at the end of your, you know, physical journey, whether you want to lose a certain amount of weight, whether you want to bench press a certain number, whether you want to squat a certain number, where you, whether you want to fit in a certain, you know, set of clothes, when you get to that goal, that doesn't mean everything else just ceases. You have to continue to, to live your life and continue your journey. So I want to make that crystal clear. Yeah. And you actually bring up a very good point, Mark, as far as one of the curveball questions uh, that I had for you tonight was what other exercises besides physical do you find are most helpful for your resiliency practice? And there, there is a couple, and I, I wish I could sit here and tell you that I do them all the time. Cause I'm, you know, I, we, at the end of the day, we are human and, and I have to <laughs> I have to make sure. And the good thing about, you know, the therapist I have now, is she, she keeps me grounded and she keeps me honest with, you know, and she'll know like, Hey, Mark, have you, you haven't been journaling this week, have you? And she'll, she'll, she'll know. But, um, and I keep bringing up journaling and it is, I am night and day, a different person when I journal constantly and consistently. And when I put my my thoughts on paper, or I, you know, I'll pull up, a, I have a Google doc and I'll just keep it running. And I'll just take literally 15 minutes out of my day and, um, and, and journal my thoughts down. Also, when it comes to meditation and some people will understand what I'm saying, I, my brain, for some reason, I'll start to meditate and I'll think it's a waste of time. And what I mean by that is I'll say, okay, here's 30 minutes. I'm going to meditate, not even 30, 25, 15, whatever. And I'll immediately, whatever time of the day it is, I'll think, man, I could be doing something else right now that is more productive. If I do it first thing in the morning, I'll say to myself, man, I could be preparing for my day. 
if I do it at lunchtime, I'll be like, hey, I, I could be running or I could be eating lunch right now or something like that. If I do it at the end of the day, like, hey, I'm taking time out of my sleep pattern. So that starts to really play on my mind a lot. But what I did to counteract that is I literally, and this is going to sound very simple, but it works, is I literally focused on the words that the person leading the meditation is saying. And what I mean by that is not just have the words in the background, not just, you know, close your eyes now, take a deep breath, whatever the, the, the person leading it says, focus on the actual words that are coming out of their mouth. Put the words in your head, see them. And, and for me, when I pinpoint my focus on that, I notice that a lot of my anxiety about if I could be doing something else goes away. I notice my heart rate go down. I notice I start to relax and my, my fists aren't tensed up. So those two things, journaling and meditation, are really my go-tos. Um, and I like always tell people, if you work for me or my friend or you work with me, always say, always take 15 minutes out of your day just to do something by yourself that there's no other distractions. And what I mean by that is, you know, I have a nice neighborhood. A, a lot of times, if I don't get to get my run in, I'll just leave my phone at home and walk for 15 minutes and just listen to the birds, listen to the cars pass, listen to the lawnmowers. Just listen to something that's not technology-based, and it really calms me down. So those are just a few things that I that I use. That's great. Do you do anything creative, like creatively, as far as painting, uh, artwork type situations in a practice fashion? Yeah, yes, I do, and I'm, I'm glad you asked that. I actually have gotten into. Um, um, woodworking a lot. I, I'm not going to call myself a carpenter because it's very simple stuff, but, <laughs> um, I do, I do like, um, you know, going to Lowe's and, and grabbing a few two by fours, a few two by eights and, and putting simple things together, like, uh, you know, blanket ladders, little tables, uh, I just built and, and painted a bench this weekend. And, um, there's really something soothing about, a table saw just going off and then the smell of the sawdust and then, you know, sanding and painting. And, you know, after a while I'll, I'll look up and it'll be 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. And I'm like, this has been one of the best Saturdays ever. And, you know, it, it's one of those things that it's, you know, some people find, you know, jazz music or something soothing, the, the sound of a, a bubbling brook or waterfalls or something to be that, that calms them down. If I'm in my garage and I've measured and cut like three or four, you know, eight foot pieces of two by four, and then I've, you know, drilled them together. And it's like, ah, like <laughs> those, those 90 degree angles. It just, oh man. Yes. That, that is something that's definitely the creative part of me um, that I, that I like to, and I, I don't like to use like, I'll, you know, I'll get some instructions from like YouTube or something like that, but I'll look at it and, and watch it once and then like make it my own. 
whether I, I create something great or just create something that I've ruined, I, you know, in my head, everything is great. You know, even if I ruin something, I have to start from scratch. I still got to create it. So that's definitely something that I, that's the creative side of me that I look for, for, you know, you know, mental health and physical health. And it definitely helps me a lot. Does that tie in or connect with any sort of confidence or self-confidence or self-affirmation? I'll, I'll be honest with you. Um, I've never been an overly confident person and it's for my whole life. It's kind of been a defense mechanism that if I'm not, and I think you understand, like if I'm not overly confident or I'm not confident about it, that is my way of when I get to the, you know, the end of it, when I resolve it or when I get to the, the very end, if I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, you know, that feels pretty good. If I didn't accomplish it, well, I wasn't, you know, very confident about it from the beginning. So it's always been a defense mechanism of mine. I actually, not to get too off track, I was talking to some people at work and one of the guys, actually two of them used to play sports and one said he was a huge trash talker. And I was like, no, I was, I never talked trash because I was just afraid. I was always afraid I'd never back it up. Even if I was head and shoulders better than the, my competition but um also there's a lot of humility in there too but you know to answer your question self self affirmation for me is is very tough self anything really that relies on me mark Pazant telling myself either I did something well, I can do something well, um, something I did well was all about me, even though, it, even though if, even if it was, even if it's something I did totally myself, I'll find a way to bring others into it. Oh, well, this person sold me this great you know, this great recipe or, or this person gave me this great idea or, you know, without you, I couldn't have done it. And everyone around me is saying, no, 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 man, this is, <laughs> this was you, this was you. And even, even stuff like that makes me ultra uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Um, and I just, I don't, and I think a lot of it has to do when I was a kid, I loved to be the center of attention, loved it. I won. I had a very, I was a very much a histrionic where everything, I tried to wrap everything about me, all eyes on me, let me. And as I grew up, I look back and there's a part of me that, that wishes I wouldn't have done that, wishes I would have just stayed in the background. So now when I am the center of attention as an adult, it's very difficult for me and everybody's like, well, you know, you have a podcast and, and, you know, there's other things that you do, which forces you to be the center of attention. Yeah. But, you know, I don't look at it that way, but whenever there comes a time where, for instance, here's a good example, public speaking, when I have to lead a talk or be a public speaker, I want to be not the center of attention, 
but I want to be remembered for being good at what I did. And there is a huge difference. There is a huge difference. You know, when I, when I talk to, you know, people, when I have to give talks at work, when I have to get up and speak in front of people, I want them to think, man, he's well-prepared. He knows what he's doing. And I would love to hear him speak again. However, I don't want to be the guy that has to like showcase how good he is at something he does because that makes me real uncomfortable now. If that, I hope, I hope that makes sense. I hope it does. Yeah. If I can add to that, um, as far as for myself and, and my journey, that has been a big challenge for myself is building upon and relying upon and trusting in myself in certain situations to have the expertise or the experience or the exercise enough to know that even though I don't know the whole answer, taking the first step is half the battle. Um, and so what I, what I hear you saying is that, yeah, hundred percent, like I'm going to make an attempt. I'm going to do my research the best that I can prepare the best that I can. But when it comes down to it, I know that I can't do it alone. And that it's a community grouping of people that help me, support me, that encourage me, that empower me to be and to do where I'm at currently. Always, always. You couldn't have said it better. Like there's not, I, I can't think of anything in my life that I either made, I created, or I became on my own. There's always someone or something that helped me. And I personally think, and I'm not trying to tell anybody how to live their life, but I personally think if more of us thought that way, if more of us, you know, even self people who say I'm self-made, well, someone had to teach you some part of that. Someone had to, to, to give you something to get started. Someone had to make you edu give you the education to do something you've done. Even if you did the research yourself, Someone did the work to help you find that research. Someone did the work to, to, you know, build the building that you're doing the research in, to build the software that you're using for the research. Someone made, made the tools to help you. So, you know, when people say they're self-made, I will give you all the credit in the world. Yes, I will. But I believe we should always give the respect to the people who did it before us, or at least lend a hand for us to do those things. And you bring up a good point. Do you remember you mentioning before about soccer and basketball? I wonder if with those being such vital, supportive, community, team-based sports, if that plays a role or has an impact compared to someone that maybe plays golf or tennis. Um, well, even tennis has doubles, but I wonder if that comes back into play here as well. It, it probably does. I have um, a good friend. His name is uh, Fabio Tambosi. He is the um, uh, the chief marketing officer over at Sacconi. And he and I spoke a few weeks ago, and we were talking about all the life lessons we had learned about, from playing soccer. Um, and one of the things we learned is how to take a step back and let others become better at their craft and you know we we both went to Clemson we both played soccer at Clemson and I was a goalkeeper he was a midfielder and you know there were certain practices where 
you'd work primarily on defense. So the, the forwards would not get as much work as the defense would. And then vice versa, you have other practices where you're working on your offensive schemes and offense, offensive game plans, and the forwards will get more work than the defenders. And you don't, as an 18, 19, 20-year-old person, you don't realize what, you, you just think you're going through practice. That's all you think you're doing. But when you look back at it, you're like, I had to take a step back while others learned and not only take a step back, I had to make sure I was 100% focused and all in to what they're doing because at the end of the day, it's a team sport. I have to know what they're doing. They have to know what I'm doing for us to work well as a team together. And I think it, it, it to your point, that's probably, that's probably great. I know that I did not go, I did not win soccer games or win basketball games by myself. Never have, never will pick up high school, soccer, you know, college, whatever. There's not one game that I won and someone could point to me and say, you did everything. You scored every point. You coached the game. You had it. I, I can't score every point and get every assist. Hmm. You know, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> Um, I know there's players out there that wish they could, but I think to your point, it probably had, I mean, I've ne no one's ever really put, put it like that before, but you're probably right. My, maybe my, my, my life would have been different. My life perspective would have been different if I, if I played golf or if I played tennis or, you know, something like that, but I played two really big team sports and while they're, while football might be a team sport too, the thing about soccer and basketball is everyone is responsible for offense and defense. So everyone's a two-way player. So nothing against football and I love football. So I hope no one gets the wrong impression by it, but, um, you know, to, to have a sport where you make a mistake, like a quarterback throws an interception in football, he has to immediately depend on his defense to take care of him. You have a turnover in basketball and soccer. You immediately have to turn around and play defense yourself. So it's it's to your point. I think you're you're absolutely right. It's a fascinating uh, thought process. So, well, Mark, I wanted to thank you again for your time. Is there anything else related to exercise or related to your journey, or any message or advice that you would have for someone that's either nervous to start the process or kind of in the middle of the process as a word of encouragement. Everyone is pulling for you. And I know that might be hard to understand, but everyone is pulling for you. There are, there's so many times that I, you know, during this journey, which I really wanted, to, I really wanted to give up. And I really wanted to, I, I can't tell you how many times before my wedding, I went for a run and I just stopped. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be like this the rest of my life. But I had people around me who were really pulling for me. I really did. And I'm going to tell you right now, whoever's listening, you know, John, you particularly, anybody else who, 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 you know, knows me or knows us, we're pulling for you. And don't think the last time I checked, you know, the, you know, one hamburger didn't make you overweight. So don't think one day of exercising is going to, you know, get you back to where you want to be. This is, 
so cliche to say, but it's definitely a marathon and not a sprint. Um, take, you know, take notes down, journal. The advice I will give, specific advice, is when you feel really down, when you feel like giving up, write it down. Absolutely write it down. Write down how you feel, the time and date you felt that way. Split that paper in half. In those times you feel motivated, those times you feel like nothing can hold you back, those times you feel like you're at the top of a mountain, write it right next to your lows. Make sure you understand how you feel in both situations because that's going to keep you grounded. Because when you feel really high, you need to have in the back of your mind that you know you can, you know, you've been other places before. It's going to make that high feel a lot better. And on the flip side of that, when you feel really low, make sure your brain knows that you can get back to that high. So, you know, this is a mental game. Yeah, physical, it will, will change, but this is a mental game. Um, listen to any athlete who's been at the top, whether you're a basketball fan and you listen to, you know, LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Michael Jordan or any of those guys, whether you're a football fan, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, baseball fan, you know, any of those guys that have been to the top. They talk about mental fortitude. Make sure you're taking care of that first journal, write it down and remember where you are in those situations. Mm. Well, Mark, thanks again for taking the time to, to talk to, to myself and, and to talk to the listeners tonight. I appreciate you taking the time out of you to do that. And thanks for uh, making the world a bit better place one day at a time. Hello again. This is Jay Half reaching back out to you guys here. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mark Paisant, for joining us this week to talk about exercise practices and what you do to maintain your focus and maintain um, your mental health and the struggles and being vulnerable in that space. Again, if you are not or don't remember this, want to call this out again real quick to you. Mark is actually the host of a mental health podcast titled Relatively Normal. I want to encourage you to check out uh, any episode, all the episodes. Like I say, he said early on, I had the chance to be one of a guest of his and actually was one of the top listened podcasts for him. Again, I was humbled to be that and do that for him and hope to be able to kind of share that with him. So again, please check out Relatively Normal, hosted by Mark Paisant, my guest this week. Now again, I um, want to encourage you to, to listen back to the prior podcast, talking about mindfulness, talking about therapy. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit more here about community, specifically community involvement and how that plays into your journey overall. So I'm going to steal a sign-off from Brene Brown this week. Uh, remember to be awkward, brave, and kind. Change the world one place at a time, one person at a time, starting with yourself. Have a good week. Love each other. Thanks again. You've stumbled upon the Soft Podcast. As always, feel free to reach out and support us on anchor.fm under uh, John Heffelbauer. Love to have your financial support and look forward to hearing from you in the future.